Well, welcome to Knox. Um, we, are follow- we are a church that's following Jesus, loving the city, and serving the world. And as you've just experienced, we don't do all things perfectly. And we certainly don't follow Jesus perfectly. We don't love the city perfectly. We're not perfect servants of our world, but we are striving to do these things faithfully and well. And we are so glad that you're with us here today. Um, Whether this is your first Sunday worshiping with us or you are back after a while, I noticed Elizabeth Matthias is here, who's a supported missionary in Germany. Welcome, Elizabeth. And there are many um, new faces as well and faces who've called this church home for many decades. So a special welcome to you. Um, I'm not sure if I said it, but my name is Nick. I'm the associate minister here. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to serve you. As we settle into this new ministry year, we've been taking time to remind ourselves of what our vision statement is and what it means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to love the city? What does it mean to serve the world? What type of people are we called to be? What does it look like to participate in the life of this community and to choose to live into the convictions of our church? Last week, if you were here, you'll remember that we talked about following Jesus. This is the bedrock and the foundation of who we are and all that we do. Jesus is our shepherd. He leads us in paths of righteousness and justice. Jesus is our shepherd who retrieves our wandering souls back to his flock who brings us even through dark valleys. In all this, we can truly say that in him we shall not want, that he alone is worthy to be followed, he alone worthy to be obeyed. His ways alone bring life to us and life to our world. And in following his ways, we can surely say that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. This week, we turn to the second part of that vision statement, that we are a church that is loving the city. There are some ways that we've talked about that phrase in the past, which are good reminders for us about why we love the city. And good instruction um, and an introduction to this idea if you're new to our community. One thing we've often talked about is that we love the city because God loves cities. And God loves cities because cities are full of people. And God loves people. People are made in the image of God. And in cities, there is image of God everywhere you look. God's image filling streetcars and subway platforms. God's image filling classrooms and offices. God's image filling parks and stadiums. Everywhere you look. More of God's image reflected in the faces of people who God loves. God loves cities. And as a people who love God, we love cities too. We love that the rich diversity of a city like ours can help us to glimpse the rich diversity of God and of God's kingdom. In the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah is sent to a city called Nineveh, and he doesn't want to go because it's a wicked city a city of violence, a city full of bad news, a city that has harmed his people for a long time now. And God calls Nineveh a great city. It's a big city, and it's a city full of people, and God cares for those people, most of whom didn't know any better than what they were doing. And God has compassion on that city God sees the people which fill cities, and he has compassion on them. 
God sees our city of Toronto and is moved with compassion for it. If we're truly a people who are following Jesus, that's always going to mean that we are people moved with compassion for our city as well. A people who should be known by our deep love for Toronto. And that means our love for the city is not just a home is Toronto slogan on our t-shirts. Our love for the city is more than just a I heart the six bumper sticker, right? It's got to be deeper and fuller than that. It's actions. To be moved with compassion for the city is to choose to care for the needs of our city. To take note of the issues that impact our neighbors and our neighborhoods. To raise our voices to our leaders to address the problems which harm the very least among us. Which make our city violent and vile and to desire far better for it. To always bring Toronto before God in prayer and not to allow the shadows and hard realities of life in this place and at this time to harden our hearts for a place and a people that God loves. Another point that we've often talked about in the past is that we love the city because we believe it points towards a future city, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem. The way that we read the Bible, we see that the story of creation begins in a garden, but it finds its fullness, its culmination, in a city that has a garden at its heart. We believe that one day heaven will come to earth, that all creation will be reconciled to God, and that God will dwell in a city made by God's hands and be with God's people. God will be its temple. God will be the light in that city, and God will dwell with us there. If our hope is truly set on that future city, it makes sense that we would also love the city which we know now for all the ways that it reminds us of that future promise and that we would serve it such that it would more and more look like that city that we long for. Today, we're going to go a little bit more in depth at that theme of longing, and we'll use the passage which was read for us from Song of Songs to do that. Song of Songs is sometimes called the Song of Solomon, and it's a book of poetry, of song. And the Hebrew title for the book is just that. It's Song of Songs, which is a superlative construction in Hebrew grammar. Song of Songs is like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Holy of Holies. It's the thing that best exemplifies the category of things. This is the song that is better than and before every other song. This is the song by whose definition all other songs come to be. And since I didn't sing that song for us today, we together might find it difficult to agree that this is the best song we've ever heard. The way that we might consider it is the best song, though, is to understand a little bit more about it. It's a love song, a song sung between the voices of a man and a woman and sometimes their friends. Like most love songs, it is full of desire, of longing, of pursuing, of finding, of joy and satisfaction. And it really is about a man and a woman, but it's also more than that. This book made it into scripture, which was not guaranteed, and not only in our Bibles, but also in the Jewish scriptures of the Tanakh. 
It made it through a controversy where some rabbis believed it was, you know, just secular poetry, just a love song. It was sung in bars and taverns, so that didn't really give it a lot of credibility to them. And they were concerned that this was too vulgar to really be included in the Bible and Scripture. But eventually, most rabbis saw it another way. They saw within it a different story. They saw within it the story of the love between God and God's people. In this way, we can surely say that this is the song which is above every other song. This is the story that is at the heart of creation itself. It is the song of God's love for humanity and of our longing to be with and to know our maker. And this interpretive tradition was cemented for the church by Origen of Alexandria in the third century. So this interpretation I'm doing is well tested by time. So let me read through those verses to you again. But now you can imagine as you hear them that you are the woman, that we are the woman, and God is the one who our souls love. Upon my bed at night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. I will rise now and go about the city. In the streets and in the squares, I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The sentinels found me as they went about the city. Have you seen the one whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him, would not let him go, until I brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her that conceived me. There's this pattern to the book which the Old Testament commentator Dr. Tremper Longman III explains as absence and longing leading to search and discovery, which results in intimacy and joy. And as I'm sure you notice that in these verses, more than seeing this pattern in the book, you may recognize that pattern in your own spiritual lives. Feeling that God is absent Longing for God's presence, or at least some sign that God is doing something. Longing for God's presence and promise, which turns into seeking God. Pursuing God in scripture and prayer, in community and spiritual practices. And at times, discovering God's closeness to us. Experiencing the joy of God's presence. That can be a long road. That can be a hard journey, especially when the searching goes on and on. And that's what we see here. The woman lies on her bed awake, longing for the one her soul loves. And there are a couple things to note here already. While our translations leave night singular, it is plural in the text. The idea perhaps being that night after night she has waited Night after night, she has been unable to sleep, longing for her beloved. The, th the other thing which I think is important to note is that while our Bibles might say the one her heart loves or the one her soul loves, the Hebrew word isn't limiting this to a spiritual kind of love or a physical or romantic kind of love only. The word here is nefesh, 
which is the essence of a person's being. She's calling her beloved the one who her whole being loves, the one that she loves with all of who she is. Night after night, unable to sleep. Us, desiring God's presence. The presence of the one who our whole being longs for. Who we love with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Perhaps you've experienced some of those sleepless nights too. Perhaps you're here with us today with that kind of longing in your heart. You've chosen to rise up and to go and seek God out. The woman in the text has an idea that's like that. No longer will she wait night after night, calling out and receiving no answer. She'll rise up. She'll search him out. She will go and find her beloved. And where does she go to find him? She goes about the city, in streets and squares, seeking out her beloved. But she doesn't find him. That verse is a verse of such anguish. Night after night, she'd called out and received no answer. Now, having taken action to seek him herself, she does not find him. What deep dismay she must feel. How many of us have felt our prayers go unheard in the night? How many more of us who try to pursue God in Scripture, to seek God at church, to find God at work in our lives, have sometimes turned up empty? How deep a despair that is. It's interesting to me that she seeks out her love in the city. Cities are so often places which are hostile to relationship. Places where you can feel alone in a crowd. She begins in her bed a place of intimacy and she moves to the public square, a place bereft of intimacy. Cities like ours, we know, can be places where you know a hundred people and you don't have a deep relationship with any of them. Where it seems that everyone is lonely and somehow everyone is too busy to change that. It is in this place of need for community that she seeks out her beloved. And she turns to the sentinels. She turns to the city guard. And we have to wonder, how could they possibly know who she's talking about? How could they possibly know who the one her heart loves is? Their job is to look out for anything unusual. And it seems to have been her in this moment. She's the unusual one. But they're hardly on a first-name basis with the whole city The lack of community, the lack of belonging, the lack of knowledge of our lives is plain. Yet she still seeks him out. We are also invited to seek God out. In the book of Jeremiah, God promises that if God's people seek him, they will find him when they search for him with all their hearts. God will be found by us, declares the Lord. We, like the woman in this song, are not to stay in places of quiet to seek God out. We're not to restrain our search for God in the, in the privacy of our bedrooms or in the diligence of our prayer lives. Rather, we should also choose to rise up, choose to go about in the place where we are and to see where God is in the city. Where is our beloved present in these streets 
What is our God whispering in the public square? How is our beloved at work in the university? Who is Jesus serving in our neighborhood? If we are a people who are longing for God, we should be eager to find God wherever God is, whatever God is up to, even as this woman could not stand another night without her beloved, but got up and looked frantically about her city. I wonder if we could do likewise. Can we not be satisfied with a God who is confined to these walls? What a small God that would be. Can we not be satisfied with a God who seems at times to be chained to our Bibles? But can we seek out the God who is living and active in every place where we are? The God who has gone before us to Toronto and who we may search out and find in its streets. The 12th century Scottish theologian Richard of St. Victor writes this reflection on the portion, this portion of the Song of Songs. I think there's a slide. I didn't highlight it for you, but he writes, God can be sought out and known in the threefold creation, in the cosmos and the things which were created to adorn it, in humanity and in the angelic order. The soul that thirsts for God makes the round of these and passes them one by one in order that she may find him who she seeks. He's reflecting on this passage. And I think he's right. God is found in all three of these places. But we are prone to finding God first in the angelic order. In the spiritual life is where we seek God most readily. Perhaps we may have even come to appreciate God's presence within humanity. We have learned to accept the love and care of another as the love and care of Christ for us. But how much do we consider that we may find God in the world and the things which adorn it? How much do we think about urban landscapes and city traffic and crowded sidewalks as places where we may also find the one whom we seek, the one whom our souls love? More than loving the city because it is full of people, more than loving the city because it points us to that heavenly Jerusalem. We love the city because it is a place where we encounter the living God. This city is the place where God has planted our church, and at least for those of us who are gathered here in person, for now, it is also the place where we have been invited to encounter God as well. This is the place and the context which God has given to us uniquely that we might encounter him here. We don't have to make a pilgrimage to some faraway city or to some great cathedral. Toronto is the place in creation where our community has been given the opportunity to seek God and to find him. What a joy that is. And so we love the place where God has set us, even as we call beloved the one whom we seek to see and to know in this place. In our love for the city, we also see the ways that God is missing. We cry in anguish when we do not find our beloved in the streets and the public squares, even as this woman so cried. We lament the days that we do not seem to find God in our path. And we desire for the city's good that he should be found in more places, known by more people. 
that the sentinels themselves might know the one who we search for, and that our beloved's goodness would be over, in, through, and around all that we see near us. That is where we seek God out, not in the privacy of our minds only, but also in the public places where God is present, that we might find him and hold on to him and not let him go. We are a church that is loving the city because like the psalmist, we confess that God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Our God is present in the city. Our beloved walks in these streets and cares for these people. So we seek him out faithfully, loving the place where he dwells with us in these days, even as we long for that better city where he will dwell in every place and in every way. May we all have eyes to search out our beloved, hearts to desire his presence, and faithful ways in this place that we might seek him and find him wherever we go. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our reflection time will be a little bit different this week. First, I have an invitation, a challenge for you that you should write down, maybe put on your calendar. This week, you're invited to walk through your neighborhood, to look for our beloved Lord's presence where you are, and to pray for places where you wonder, how is God at work here? Maybe places where you miss his presence entirely. So that's a project for you, a challenge for you this week. And it could just be on your way to work. It could just be in a quiet moment in the evening. It doesn't have to be long, but it's good for us to practice looking for God in our neighborhoods, looking for God in our city. And I wouldn't ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. And so this past week, I took an opportunity to walk around the church's neighborhood. And I took some pictures of some of the things I saw And I want to invite you to pray with me for our neighborhood here at Knox, for this neighborhood. So some of these pictures I took, some of these pictures Tamika took. Um, Yeah, so we'll pray. And as we go through the pictures, I'll leave like five or ten seconds for you to also pray for these places and things. Um, Let's pray together. Lord, as we remember our city We're mindful that this land has been a place of gathering for thousands of years. That indigenous peoples called this land home before us, gathered by these waters before us. That this was a place of meeting, of learning, of trade. We thank you that this has been a gathering place for your people for long generations. We thank you that you are present among all the peoples of the earth that you have been present here long before we called it Toronto. And so we bring before you the places that we know now, the places that we believe you see and care for every day, the places we've noticed where your grace is present and the places that we know need more of your grace. We pray for St. Vlad's, our neighbor right next door. We thank you for their ministry to students for their important place for the Ukrainian community in Toronto. And we pray for the Ukrainian community that you would minister to them, that you would comfort them in this time of hardship for their nation.
God, we also bring to you those who are struggling with addiction and mental health. We're thankful for the presence of CAMH in our neighborhood, and we pray for those who are receiving treatment, those who need treatment, those who don't have enough support. We pray for those who are also seeking the help, healing, and recovery of those in need. The housing crisis is so obvious to so many of us, some of us struggling to find a place we can afford to rent even now, and so many more without housing. We pray for the housing crisis in our city. We pray for those who are street-involved and homeless even now. And we thank you for the Christian witness of our neighbor church, St. Stephen's in the Fields, who is showing your love and care to those in need of a place that can be safe for them at this time. We also pray for the missions and ministries which exist in our neighborhood to care for the very least, who care for the vulnerable, who care for the forgotten. We think especially of the Scott mission of YSM Evergreen, St. Stephen's Community House. God, we pray for neighborhoods. We pray for the neighborhood of Chinatown. We thank you for the Chinese community in our city and so close to our church. We pray for the vitality of businesses in Chinatown. We pray for the Chinese community in Toronto. Likewise, we pray for the neighborhood of Kensington Market. We thank you that it has been a landing place for new community groups, for refugees and immigrants for decades. We pray that it would continue to be a place of diversity, of cultures coming together of welcome and hospitality. We pray for some of the churches who are near to us, whose members we know, who we have a relationship with. We think especially of First Baptist Church and for Chinese Presbyterian Church. We pray that they would be a vision of your presence in their neighborhoods, that we would be good co-laborers with them, and that their witness to the gospel would transform many lives. We pray faithfully for our largest neighbor just across the street, the University of Toronto. We thank you that we are so near to them, and we thank you for all the ways that you've blessed our city and you've blessed the world through the work of that university, the research of the scholars there. We ask that wisdom and understanding would be so present in that place.
We pray for the residents of Harvard Village, for people renting student housing, for people in apartment buildings, for neighbors who lived here for many decades. Would their homes and apartments be places of peace? We see on our streets vacant storefronts and restaurants. And we remember that there is much life that is yet to come for our city. We pray that these places will be places of provision and goodness for our neighbors. We remember the ministry of Knox College and the Toronto School of Theology. We pray for many students who are studying theology, who are studying ministry, that they would be a blessing to the church. We thank you for parks and green spaces, how they remind us that you are a God who plants gardens, that you plant gardens in the midst of a city, Help these to be places of joy for children and families, for people who need a quiet and refreshing place. We remember primary and secondary schools, Lord Lansdowne, Da Vinci School, Harvard Collegiate and Central Tech, Would these be places of life, of goodness, of learning, of community? We thank you, God, for all the ways that people move about our city. And we pray for cyclists, pedestrians, and drivers. That vision zero would be true. That people could be safe to move about however they move about in this place that there would be a respect between all these types of people, that we would celebrate the rush and the life that we see on our streets. God, we pray for the city of Toronto. Would you help us to love it more and more? Help us to see your presence within it, we pray. Amen.